0: Let's dive into the Bible today. I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. You don't have to try to find that. It's in the middle of the Bible somewhere. You know, it gets complicated. There's 66 books, Kieran. This is a lot. Um, And I just want to start us with two verses today that we're going to be talking about in Isaiah chapter 43. Starting in verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to speak today from the subject, a new thing, a new thing. God is up to a new thing. Any of you grow up in church like me and remember that band DC Talk from back in the late 80s, early 90s. Do you remember? You know who I'm talking about? And they had this song, you know, who's doing it? Yeah, who's doing it? God is doing a new thing. Okay, I'll keep moving on here before I lose people. Um, A new thing. I want to talk today about a new thing. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your presence that's with us today. God, I pray in these next few moments, you would speak to us. And um, God, we would just encounter the person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, your love and your grace today in just a real, authentic way. God, I pray for those who are in the midst of serious bouts of depression, God, that you would break off depression, you'd break off anxiety. God, you'd bring joy to us today, you'd bring peace to us today, God, for those who have been experiencing any illness in their bodies, any sickness in their bodies, you are a healer. So God, today we expect miracles. We know you're a miracle-working God. Thank you, Lord, for those that are in financial straits. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who does provide. Lord, come and do something miraculous today in our midst. And thank you for this sunny weather we are getting in Seattle today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen, a new thing. We have a culture that is obsessed with new, right? Isn't new great? You get the new phone, that's exciting. You get a new car, even more exciting. Even just, how many of you get excited over a new shirt or a new jacket? You just can't wait to wear it. Something new, a new restaurant came into your neighborhood, something new happening. New is fun, new is exciting. I've I, I realized something though is that. I also I like new things every once in a while, but I also like what's known and what's familiar. Anybody like me where I'm just like, you know, my wife gets excited about new things all the time. I'm like, you know what? I've had my phone for four years and I still like my phone. I don't think I need the new phone. In fact, I don't like the new update. I want the old update back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I saw a picture of myself the other day from 2010 wearing a sweatshirt that I still own and wear sometimes, okay? Maybe I have issues. But I like to hang on to old things. I'm okay with old things. I'm the guy that has my favorite restaurant. I don't even need the menu because I get the same thing every time. Am I talking to some people? Okay. That's what makes... Me and my my wife's marriage is so interesting because she's all about new, okay? We've lived in 13 different homes in 22 years. Why? Because my wife gets bored. After about a year and a half, she's like, okay, this place is fun. I'm looking at real estate. Let's get a new house. I'm like, wait, wait, what's wrong with our other house? She loves to go to new restaurants, try new things. And I love that. And I think in any relationship, we should live in this sweet spot of consistency and change. If there's too much consistency, it breeds monotony and can get boring. But if there's too much change, it breeds chaos. But there's a healthy place, right, where we can kind of live in the middle. So I'm consistency. She's changed. I'm just glad that I'm still her husband and she hasn't gotten tired of me and gotten a new husband yet. You know what I'm saying? So 22 years we've been together. But she loves new, she loves change, I'm a little more resistant to change, and I kinda like things that are known, things that are normal, and when I say normal, normal just means familiar, doesn't it? It's what's comfortable, it's what we've known, it's what just makes sense to us. But I've realized this, I've realized that I don't want the desire for what's known and normal to rob me of what the new thing is that God wants to be doing. If there's something new that God is doing, I don't want my desire and passion for normal to to cause me to miss out on what that new is. Like, for instance, this last year, my two daughters both got their license in Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. You need to pray for me right now. You need to pray for my family. Okay. I was not a fan of this. Again, I I don't like change. I don't like new things. I told my daughters, I'm like, can you just Uber the rest of your life? Do you really need to get your license in this city of LA? Traffic's crazy. The devil himself lives on the 405. Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's crazy drivers. And I don't know if I want you out there. And so they're like, no, dad, we got to get our license. Come on. And so, so my wife's like, well, you're going to take them. You're going to go, go teach them how to drive. Do you have any parents that have attempted to do this with your children before, right? I mean, your faith, your prayer life goes to a new level. When you get in the passenger seat and you don't have a brake on your side or a steering wheel and you're letting one of your babies drive now, what are we talking about? I remember the first day I took my daughter out and we're just pulling out of our neighborhood and she starts driving on the left-hand side of the street. Yeah, And I'm like, uh, like I was speechless for a second. I was like, uh, and she's like, am I doing okay? I'm like, if we lived in the UK, like, honey, for the last 16 years, have you not paid attention to which side of the road your dad drives on? Like, have you really missed this? And so she's like, oh, oh, shoot. So she goes on the right side of the road, same day we're driving. And uh, a little bit later, she's doing really good, and we're kind of talking through it. And I'm 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 sweating like seriously. My daughter gives you such a bad time. I was sweating through my shirt so bad, like the AC was blasting, but I was just so nervous. And um, all of a sudden, she's driving, and her phone rings. And she, true story, doesn't take one but two hands off the steering wheel to pick up her phone. And I'm like, here we go. I'm about to see Jesus face to face. My life is over. And it was, I mean, I think I screamed at, in that moment. I lost my cool as a dad. I was like, what are you doing? You know, and I grabbed the phone and like threw it in the trunk, you know. I'm like, never. And, uh, and I, I remember in that moment just thinking, man, what are we doing? I don't like this. I don't like new things. I don't want you to get your license. I don't like change. And that's just kind of my, a bit of my personality. But I realize life is always changing, isn't it? There's changes that are happening constantly. These days, we live in these unprecedented times where we've all experienced so much change and loss and pain and and different things. I mean, some of us have made massive career changes and some of us have literally moved cities from other places. I mean, there's so much change happening in the world today. And some of the only comfort that I get is that Hebrews chapter 13 and verse eight says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that in the midst of change in our life, in the midst of changes that are happening on the inside, there's one constant. There's one thing that remains. Jesus is that constant that we can hang on to in the midst of change. And and get this, this God that never changes is constantly changing us. In fact, he loves you too much to let you be the same. He loves you too much to let you just stay as you were. So whether you realize it or not, right now in this season, as you're sitting here in the service or as you're watching online, God is constantly at work on the inside of us, changing us, changing us, changing us. But he's the God that never, ever changes. But you know what? At the same time as I resist change, I'm also fickle because the reality is when the pandemic started and we had these stay at home, you know, stay in place. Remember when it first started and it was like kind of fun for like the first week or two, like all the kids at home and just fun. And then it got to like, oh, we're going to be at home for a while and all my kids won't leave the house. And okay, I love them, but can they leave? And, And then I was, I was just complaining about it. I'm like, I don't wanna work from home and I wanna see people and I miss events and social get togethers. And then, and then about a year into the pandemic, things started to open up, at least in Los Angeles. And it's like, cool, you can go out now. And then I was like, I don't know if I wanna go out anymore. I wanna stay in my sweats. I like being at home. I'm socially out of shape. I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. Like I'm outside for the first time in a year. I'm like, hi. What's your favorite color? Like, I, my socially, I don't even know how to start a conversation anymore. And, but that's just human nature, right? We, 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 we're fickle that way. It's like, I don't want change. I, I, I like the old way, but no, now I like the new way. And, but What I realized is that we have a God who specializes in new, in bringing about new things, in doing new things, as the prophet Isaiah said, Forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing, declares the Lord. Let me talk to you for just a few moments about some of the new things that God is doing right now. Number one, Jesus is into new mercies every single morning. New mercies every single morning. Lamentations chapter 3 Uh, verse 22 and 23, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love this because you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You know what you and I deserve? You and I deserve to get bad for the bad we've done. You and I deserve judgment. We deserve guilt. We deserve shame for all the bad things we've done. But what this verse is telling us right, right here is that Every single day, God's got new mercies for you. That when you wake up tomorrow, you can know You may not know what challenges you're going to face, what trials and difficulties, or what kind of meetings are going to happen, but you can know one thing. You're not going to get guilt. You're not going to get shame. You're not going to get judgment for the bad things that you've done. You're going to get mercy from God. His mercies are new every single morning. That is to say that right now, you've got milk in your fridge that has an expiration date. It will go bad. Your Netflix subscription has an expiration date. Your car warranty has an expiration date but the one thing that will never expire is God's goodness, his forgiveness, his love, his grace, his mercy. There's no expiration date. It never runs dry. He keeps pouring it out. He's got fresh mercy for you today. You didn't know it, but when you woke up this morning, new was happening in your life. It may have felt like just another Sunday morning, and you're just trying to get the kids in the van to get to church. Come on, get tripping. And you just about lost your salvation on the way out the door. But what you didn't realize is that when you woke up this morning, new mercy for today, new grace for this day, new compassion from God for today. Jesus is into, he's into new. He's not only into new mercies, but he's also into making new creation. He's into making new creation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, your Jesus follower He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you know that God looks at you and he doesn't see the old you anymore. He doesn't see the old ways and your old sinful path. He sees new, he sees new, he sees new. Because the moment you say yes to Jesus is the moment that he makes a new creation. The moment he gives you a new start, the moment he gives you a renewed mind, a renewed life, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of doing things, God is in to new. I think sometimes that we think that, you know, I was a bad person before Jesus and I experienced Jesus and then he kind of like cleaned me up and made me a better version of myself. No, he didn't just clean you up and make you a better version of yourself. He makes you a new creation, the Bible says. It's, It's like I remember when I was 16 and I remember I got a car on my 16th birthday, but it wasn't like this brand new car, it was actually my grandpa's car. It was a 1978 Dodge Magnum. Do you know what I'm talking about? That, th- that thing was a boat, baby. This thing sailed. Like the back of it was in Kirkland, the front was in Bellevue. Like I, This thing was a long car. V8, man, this thing had some you know, power under the hood. But it was this old car, kind of a beat up car. But my grandpa was so good, he, he like got a new paint job. I mean, he made it look like it was this brand new car. But then i got in the car i was like i got a new car you know i'm 16 i'm just pumped to just not have to ride my you know little huffy to school every day huffy is that the remember they still make huffy bikes okay yeah um and so i get in the car and it's a new paint job and everything and as soon as i start going i remember my grandpa the 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 seat uh was broken so it would slide forward and backwards. So as soon as I got to my first stop sign, I realized, oh, this ain't a brand new car, as I was having intense fellowship with the dash uh, at a stop. And then I hit go, and I whoa, and I'd have to hang on to the steering wheel. I'm like, well, this is a fun experience. And so just sliding back and forth. Every time I'd turn that thing on, man, there's a cloud of smoke in the back, you know, coming out, just killing our atmosphere, whatever. I mean, this was just, I was just pumped to have a new car, but The reality is is it was just an old car that was painted up that had all the same problems with it. Listen, when you come to Jesus, okay, and it's not like you get like a a brand new personality or change completely, but there's... You become a new creation. The spirit part of you comes alive for the first time. And he says, no, you're not just a, the same you with all the same old problems and things. No, you're a, I'm, you're a new creation in Christ. Can I hear an amen? My God is into new mercies. My God is into new creation. And you know what else he's into? Jesus is into new wine. Hey, you're like, is it a cab? Is it bold? Let's go, Right. New wine, Matthew chapter nine, verse 17 says, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins will break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Jesus said this and he was really speaking about himself and he was speaking about the fact that when Jesus came on the scene, God in flesh 2,000 years ago, he brought a new system He brought a new covenant. It was a new way of relating to God, that no longer would we relate to God with rules, but it would be about relationship. No longer would we relate to God through law, but it would be about love. And Jesus came on the scene to bring this new covenant, but it didn't make sense to people because for hundreds of years before this, people had been relating to God a different way. And he's like, look, you can't have that old way of thinking that it's about your performance and you gotta, you gotta look holy, and you gotta act right and do right to get to God. But no, you need kind of like a new wineskin, a new mindset to receive this new wine and to enjoy the new wine. And you know what I love about new wine? Throughout scripture, when it talks about wine, it represents and symbolizes joy. Do you know that there's joy in the new that God wants to do? There's joy in it. You know what wants to rob you of that joy is comparison to the old, complaining about, the, about it's not like the old anymore. Complaining and comparison are the big, Robbers and stealers of the joy that God wants to give you. He wants to give you new wine. He wants to give you joy in your experience and how you relate to God and connect with God, this new covenant that God has. I'll be honest, I've let complaining and comparison rob me at times. I'll, I'll get really honest with you. Even when it came to church and the changes that have happened with the way we do church, I was like, man, I miss the old and I want the old, and oh, I don't know if I like the new. Then all of a sudden, I started to realize, as I'm looking at this content, this amazing content that goes on an app, and I'm like, I don't know if I like the app. I don't want an app, I, I want a hug. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I saw that this last year, we took the gospel to 46 different countries in 17 different states around the US. People are gathering together in homes and we're leveraging technology to tell the story of Jesus around the world. And I realized that I was so upset about the way we gather that I wasn't thinking about that maybe now God's bringing us into a new season where we gather so we can scatter where we get together so that we can go then be the church, that it's not just about doing things the old way, but it's about realizing that this gospel, this message of Jesus is getting to the four corners of this planet, and God is using this church and using us, ladies and gentlemen, to be a part of something new that's never been done before, as far as we know. My God, how exciting is it? And But it's human nature to compare to the old and whine about why, are, why aren't things like the old, and we miss out on the new wine of what God's doing in the new, that maybe God is calling us to be a church scattered, a church that could be scattered across this planet, to begin to proclaim the message of Jesus in different languages, and different places and spaces, to use technology and let it go into the far reaches of, of the four corners of this earth where it's never gone before. Can we begin to believe and see this vision that God has for a new thing, a new thing, a new thing? Well, I just wanted to go back to normal. No, this is the new normal. This is the new thing. This is what God's calling us to, to get out of the place of comfort, out of the a place of familiarity and take a step of faith and believe that Jesus is doing something new. Can I hear an amen? Because my God is a, he specializes in new, he specializes in new, new mercies, new creation, new wine. I love the end of Isaiah 43 in verse 19, where it says, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make, look at this part, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I wanna camp out here for just our time that we have remaining. Because for some of us, the reason you're here today or the reason you're watching right now is because God is about to bring a new road and a new river. And I wanna talk about this. I'll make a road in the wilderness. Sometimes when we're praying and believing that God's gonna do a new thing, we think that new thing is that God's going to take us out of a wilderness, but it doesn't say that. He says, you're going to still be in the wilderness for a bit, but I'm giving you a road. Sometimes we think God's doing a new thing. Yeah, God, get me out of this dry desert place in my life. And God's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm still, I'm doing something in this desert time. I'll, I'll bring you a river though in that desert. You see, sometimes we pray the wrong prayer. We say, God, Oh, I'm just going through challenges and trials right now, and I I hate these trials, right? And one of the worst verses in all of scripture, if I'm allowed to say that, James chapter 1, verse 2, where it's like, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What are you are you kidding me right now? Like, is this, is this a joke? Count it all joy, trials with a smile. Yay, fell into a trial. I'm so happy. But of course it goes on. The testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have his perfect work that you may be perfectly. Like there's good stuff that comes out of. But I think sometimes we're so quick to pray, God, get me out of this trial, when what we should be praying is, God, what do you want me to get out of this trial? You see the difference there? You see, the devil is not in every trial and challenge that we face. And you think, man, why is all, this? Is, God is such a good God, why, why is there any suffering? Why is there any trials? Why is there any tribulation? You know, actually, there's actually hundreds of verses in the Bible that that promise this that once you follow in Jesus, it's not like this free ticket to like no problems in life anymore. No, the only difference is now when you go through problems, you don't go through them alone. You've got the friend that sticks closer than a brother who's with you in the wilderness, in the desert, in every season. Uh, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil because he is with you. And his rod and his staff are gonna be a comfort to you. His rod is what he uses to beat off the enemy and defend his sheep. And his staff is what he uses to, to get that around the, the sheep's neck to bring him, because he's a he's a defender, and he's a drawer in, in difficult seasons of life. He's defending you. He's fighting for you, and he's also drawing you closer to him. I know some of the times where I felt the nearness of God more than ever before was in the most difficult seasons of my life, because if life was without trials or challenges, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need faith. We wouldn't need Jesus. We would just do it on our own, but look at these as opportunities to actually get closer to God. Your faith gets stronger in him, and he's nearer than ever before, because that's when we need him the most. He is your shepherd. Take taking you through the season, taking you through the valley right now. And he's defending and he's drawing you close to him. Jesus, Jesus gives us a road in the midst of our wilderness. What does that mean? Wilderness seasons represent a season where you feel a bit lost. You feel a bit uncertain. You feel a bit like can't figure up from down. Have you felt this way recently? I know I have at different times in the last year. Oh God, where am I going? What am I doing? What's my family doing? What's happening in this world right now? Things are crazy. I'm in a new job. I'm in a new city. What's happening? You feel a little lost at times? He says, I'll bring a road. I remember the first year when me and my family moved to Los Angeles. We were living right here in Kirkland on Rose Hill. And we got asked to go to L.A. for one year to help with the church that was just starting down there, part of our, our church community. And now seven and a half years later, that's the joke, because it's just our, our one year got really long. So we're still in our one year of LA. <laughs> we never never had a going away party or anything. We we're just going for a year. So that's kind of the running joke. That's not funny to anybody here, I guess, but um, <laughs> I say it to comfort myself often. Like, I'm just, just spending a year in LA. Um, but in our first year, my wife and I, and we got four kids and my youngest, uh, whose name is Z Max, Ezekiel Maximus. Uh, Z Max was six years old when we moved to LA. And I remember one of the first times we took him to Disneyland because we're just, you know, we're just trying to convince the kids that LA is the best. And so, hey, Disney, we live at Disneyland now, kids, here we go. We go to Disney and we're there all day. And at the end of the day, we're getting ready to leave the park and we're kind of walking. And I look back, at my wife and and I, say, I see three of my kids. I see my two daughters and I see my other son, but I don't see my youngest, Z Max. I'm like, hey, where's Z Max? Where's Z Max? Where, Have you, as a parent, ever lost one of your kids at the mall or somewhere, even for like 30 seconds? 30 seconds feels like an eternity because every second you just you you're trying to keep cool, but the panic is just kind of rising. Where's Z Max? Where, where's Z- where's Z- where's Z- where's Z- and you know, and I deflect, I blame shift. I start yelling at my other kids, You were supposed to watch, you lost your brother. You know, like, like I'm the one that lost him, but I didn't want to, you know, take that on. So I put it on them. Um, so I'm yelling. So we're like, we kind of like fan out and we're, we're kind of walking around trying, Z Max, Z Max. And I think it was probably about five or six minutes. But again, it, it felt like five or six hours of just walking all over. And I was so panicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost one of my kids. Well, at least I got three left. I'm like, no, that's the wrong thing to say. <laughs> I don't think that's okay. Like, we gotta find him. And, and I remember finally seeing him and he's standing by one of the security guards. And I'm like, oh no. And as I'm walking up to him, I'm thinking he's gonna be distraught. He's gonna be crying. We're gonna have to pay for counseling the rest of his life. He got abandoned at Disneyland. Like, I'm thinking all these thoughts. And I walk up to him, my little six year old son is standing there, and he's just talking away to the security guard. No, 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 no. And I'm like, Z Max. He goes, Oh, hey, dad. And I'm like, Hey, buddy, we thought you were lost. Yeah. And I was like, are, are you okay? And he's like, Yeah, I'm good. He goes, Yeah, I just told the security guard, Eh, I have a big family. They'll find me. <laughs> I was like, Okay. That's, that's, that's amazing. I'm so glad we found you. But I loved his perspective of just like, yeah, I have a big family. They'll find me. And you know what the reality is, church, is that in moments and seasons where you feel lost, where you don't know what's going on in life, with your career, with your family, with your future, you need to know you've got a big God and he's going to find you. He's going to find you every single time. He's the God that goes after. He come on, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He's the God that will come after you. He knows where your spiritual GPS is, even when you don't. And he's gonna come to meet you right there in the midst of your wilderness season, in the midst of your difficulty. He's not waiting in, in paradise place and get out of the wilderness and come over to where I no. He goes to where you are. He goes to the midst of your pain. He goes to the midst of your trial. He goes to the midst of your difficult situation, and he says, You know what? You've been wandering, you don't know where you're going. I'm coming and I'm bringing a road. In fact, not only does Jesus bring a road, the Bible says he is the road. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he comes to be the road in your life. He promises new roads, new roads. So are you in a wilderness right now? Well, maybe the reason why you're here today and you're watching online is to hear this one thing. God's bringing you a road. He's bringing you a road. He's going to order your steps. He's going to show you where to go. And he's going to be with you every step of the way as you go through a wilderness. Remember in the Old Testament, children of Israel, after they'd been set free, wandered. They wandered for 40 years in a wilderness. But there was a road and Moses knew the road and where God was taking them to a promised land that had been promised a long, long time ago. But the people got weary. They wandered. And instead of learning how to worship in the wilderness, it was a lot easier to just complain in the wilderness. And so the wilderness season was stretched out longer than it maybe had to be. It's just human nature when we feel a little bit lost and uncertain to just kind of wander back to old mindsets, old ways of doing things. At one point that they were in the wilderness, they actually pleaded with Moses. They're like, can you just take us back to Egypt? Which seems crazy, right? They were enslaved in Egypt. But but what is that? That's the human nature. That's the human tendency to just say, "I, I just wanna go back to what's known. At least I know what life is like there. I just wanna go back. Church, let's not be a people that wanna go back to Egypt, but let's be a people that say, okay, God, I know you've got something new. I know it's not always gonna be comfortable. In fact, it feels really uncomfortable right now, but I'm gonna trust this road. I'm gonna trust this path. I'm gonna trust this journey because Jesus, that's where you are. I know a long time ago, I had a version of Christianity in my faith where I thought, cool, God, I got my plan. This is the thing I'm gonna do. Hey, God, will you just come bless it, You're right? Will you just come, come bless what I'm doing? When the reality is, is it should be the opposite. God, I lay down all my plans. And say, God, what do you do? I want to be where you are, on the road where you are. I don't want you to have to come and be a part. Not not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. Your will, your purpose, your plan. And wherever that is, and guess what? His plan and his purpose is going to take us through wilderness-type seasons in moments. It's not all going to feel great. It's not always going to feel the best. But God's in it. He's in it. He's meeting you in your wilderness. And secondly, he says, I'll bring a road to your wilderness. I'll bring a river to your desert. Deserts represent dry, dead, hopeless places. Have you felt like you've been in a desert? Man, I feel like it's just dry. I feel like there's been too much death. There's been loss, the death of vision, the death of passion, maybe literal loss of a loved one, loss of a job. Maybe you feel like you've been in a desert season. We've all been there. And listen, you need to know Jesus is acquainted with your pain and cares about your pain that you're going through right now. But guess what? He promises not always to take you out of that desert, but He'll bring a river. And not only that, He is a river. He is living water. He is new life. He is refreshing. He is rejuvenation. He will be the river and the source of life and strength and newness that will meet you right in the midst of your desert season that you're going through right now, right now. When I think of new life coming out of pain and difficulty, I think about the fact that my wife gave birth to four children which shout out to women everywhere who've ever given birth to a human being because that is insane. That's a miracle. Talk about pain. Guys, we just aren't going to get it. We're never going to thank you, Lord. I'm never going to get it. But I remember I remember with our first pregnancy and I went to these like labor and delivery like coaching kind of classes and I think it was called Lamaze or they did like breathing and I'm there being a supportive husband and And so we're doing these like breathing exercises and I'm there and my wife's got the big baby bump and she's looking cute and you know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be the best coach and best husband and here we go. And I'll never forget, the lady's like, okay, to simulate pain and breathing through pain, I want you, Elijah, to grab these ice cubes. And she put ice cubes in my hand and she goes, now squeeze the ice cubes. I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking, oh, it's really cold. And then then it went from cold to kind of like... Sharp pain in my hand. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, whew, okay. Breathe through. Oh, this. So this is it. This is what childbirth is like. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I get it, babe. I get it. Man, you have to go through this. Whew, no, thank you. Right. And like, I had to do that for like two minutes, and then I dropped the ice cubes, and I like feel like I've got a, a badge of honor now. Like, you know, I, I did it. Didn't even need an epidural for my hand. I, I went all natural. All. I just grabbed the cubes, all natural, went for it. Like, so dumb, right? But, but I remember watching the beauty, this miraculous birthing of a child and my, my wife in the most pain I've ever seen her in. And then what was amazing is at the end, this beautiful baby, new life comes out of pain and she says it, it was worth it. And she meant it because she did it three more times. <laughs> it's like she forgot about the pain because it was worth it for the pleasure. It was worth it for the new life. And I just, I just, I just want to say this. I just want to say, I know it's not popular preaching maybe, but God, God uses deserts. In fact, he prepped Moses for 40 years in the backside of a desert by himself. But it was a training season, it was a painful season, but it brought him out to a place where he declared, let my people go, and brought a nation out from captivity and enslavement. God used Jesus, even Jesus, the Spirit drove Jesus out into a desert for 40 days, fasting and being tempted by the devil. But when he came out, it says he came out with the power of the Holy Spirit and began to preach and teach and heal the sick and raise the dead. I'm telling you, desert seasons are for a reason in your life, and maybe right now you're just like, I gotta get out of the desert. I gotta get out of the desert. And Jesus is like, What well, just hang on? You're in this desert, but you're not alone. You've got a river in your desert. I'm gonna bring you life in your desert. You're gonna see purpose in your desert. You're gonna see not just pain in your desert, but you're gonna see new life and refreshing and rejuvenation. And I just believe this is a word for somebody here today that you've been bucking up against new because you want to go back. You want to go back to normal. But let me just encourage you: the new might look like a wilderness, but God's got a road for you today. The new might look like a desert, but God's got a river for you today. Jesus is gifting himself to you today to say, I am the road and I am the river and I'm there with you and I'm going to refresh you in this dry season. I'm going to show you where to go in this directionless season. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. God is doing something new. He's doing something new. He's doing something new on the inside of you. He's doing something new on the inside of me. Desire for normal is okay. Desire for known is okay. As long as it doesn't rob you of new. Don't let it rob you of new. I want to pray today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus, we thank you that you are making new creations today. God, we thank you. You are giving new mercies today. You are pouring out new wine today, new roads, new rivers. You are the God who specializes in new And Lord, I just thank you that right now in this moment, we have an opportunity to say yes to you and to say yes to new. Lord, for people who are watching right now, for people in this room right now that have never gone a day without some guilt and some shame and remorse over the past, God, we're about to experience a new way of living where there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. A new way of living with a clear conscience with peace in our hearts. God, for the person who's watching right now or listening and all you've known is years of bitterness and anger in your heart, God, I thank you. You're about to do something new. Anger and bitterness is gonna pass away and all things will become new. For the person living in fear and insecurity, God, I thank you. Your perfect love is coming and casting out all that fear and bringing something new today, new today new today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, I mentioned it earlier, but Jesus said of himself, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So today, saying yes to him is saying yes to a relationship with Jesus, to the free gift of his grace and forgiveness where he forgives you of all your past, present, and future sin and makes you brand new, a new creation today. If you need that today and you want to say yes to Jesus on the count of three, will you just raise your hand real quick? And I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Even from right where you're watching at home, in that living room, wherever you're at, God knows every hand. God knows every heart. Jesus, I thank you for this free gift that we receive today that we could never earn or deserve, but you give it, and that's why it's grace. Jesus, we receive that love. We receive that forgiveness. We receive that as we say yes to you today. I want to pray one more thing before we begin to sing, and that is maybe you right now are in the midst of a wilderness. When I started talking about that, you're like, that's me. Or maybe right now you feel like, man, I'm out here in a desert. It's dry. It's desolate. If that's you, will you just raise your hand all over this room right now? I want to pray for you. God, I thank you that you're talking to some people right now. And I pray, I pray, Lord, even in these next few moments as we begin to sing, God, you're going to show us a road in the wilderness. You're going to cause us to experience that river in the midst of a desert. God, you're going to cause us to have new life. Oh, God, new, new, a, new, a new chapter, a new season, because you are a God who specializes in new, in new. God, do a new thing. God, do a new thing. God, do a new thing. Jesus, do a new thing. Let us spring forth. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.